Welcome to the VO2 Lounge podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be talking all about the ketogenic diet. Uh, This episode will be a little bit more involved than some of my others, so be prepared. Uh, I've done my best in making this to use both the technical jargon and include brief, simple definitions of things. But the ketogenic diet has proven to be quite complex, um, way more complex than the five minute YouTube videos kind of make it out to be and the mechanisms at work and the effects it has. And for this reason, I thought it was worth dedicating a full length episode to this. Um, I'm going to make a kind of shortened, condensed version that may or may not be out depending on when you're listening to this. Um, But if you're looking for a fairly in-depth kind of summary of the diet then this is the place to be okay so let's start with kind of a brief overview um nutritional ketosis which is the end point of the ketogenic diet uh, is achieved by restricting carbohydrate intake moderating protein consumption and increasing the number of calories obtained from fat so most people are already probably aware of this Uh, Theoretically, uh, this restriction of carbohydrates causes the body to switch from glucose metabolism as its primary means of energy production. Um, This results in the use of ketone bodies from fat metabolism, um, a metabolic state where the body prefers to utilize fat as its primary fuel source, mainly because it is you are physically forcing the body to utilize fat um, rather than uh, glycogen in the body. Uh, so recent studies utilizing low carbohydrate, um, uh, high fat LCHF diets, such as the ketogenic diet, show promise in helping individuals to lose weight, reverse the signs of metabolic syndrome, uh, reduce or eliminate insulin requirements for type 2 diabetics, reduce inflammation, improve epigenetic profiles, alter the microbiome, improve lipid profiles, supplement cancer treatments and potentially increase longevity and brain function man the list is endless this is why i think people are kind of so obsessed with it because even if you don't read a paper on the ketogenic diet and you just kind of rely on short snippets from publications like media outlets or youtube i think the list of possible benefits is so long and so heavy hitting that it just means there's so much content on it and people are really curious about this kind of what may seem and kind of to some of it is a kind of radical diet um so a little statement the number of americans and europeans suffering from obesity diabetes and metabolic syndrome is obviously clearly on the rise. we can see that around us more so in particular countries are wealthy places like the uk and and the usa um uh, the markers of metabolic syndrome, the things that like kind of highlight it, uh, include and increase in the abdominal adiposity, which is just basically abdominal fat, fat around the uh, the kind of main uh, you know body region. Uh, I don't know how else to put it. Uh, insulin resistance, which is basically a poor response to insulin and the breakdown of the ability of your body to move between fuel sources. So it's just usually heavily dependent on uh glucose and just really forces you in a way to consume um food really almost constantly uh elevated triglycerides um, which is the fat found in the in the blood uh hypertension which is high blood pressure so all these things are associated uh with metabolic syndrome uh 
All of these negative health markers increase the risk of cardiovascular disease, diabetes, stroke, Alzheimer's disease, um, and the ketogenic diet has gained immense popularity during the last decade, primarily because of its successful short-term effect on weight loss, but also all these effects already spoken about by myself. So, yeah, I think it is, for most people, pretty... I think a lot of people probably are curious about the ketogenic diet, mainly because of its potential for weight loss. Um, And I think sometimes the other benefits can get a bit lost, but here we will talk about all of the benefits in as great a detail as I can. Okay, so without going any further, got to get the disclaimer out of the way. Um... I like to get it out of the way because, you know, it interrupts things. But the content and materials featured or linked to in this podcast are for your information and education only and are not intended to address your particular personal requirements. Uh, The information does not constitute medical advice or recommendation and should not be considered as such. I am not a medical professional and therefore I'm not able to give medical advice. Okay, so let's start off with some history. I have put some uh, timestamps in the description, so if any of these points that come up are not to your interest, then feel free to skip through, filter through, and go to the points that you would like. But for the people who do want to know about it, here we go. Um, The therapeutic ketogenic diet, um, which severely restricts both carbohydrates and protein, is typically used in the treatment of epilepsy and cancer. Uh, The concept of the ketogenic diet was initially developed in 1921 by Dr. Russell Wilder. I think that's how you say his surname, Wilder, Wilder, Wilder. Um, For the management of refractory seizures in pediatric patients, effectively for treating epilepsy. Uh, Originally, the diet consisted of a 4 to 1 ratio of fat to carbohydrates and protein. Uh, fat provides upwards of 90% of the calori- uh, of your caloric intake. Um, and then all variations of this diet, whether involved in animal or plant-based uh, derivatives, are based on severely restricting overall intake um, of carbohydrates with the goal of bringing it down to less than 50 grams a day, which is probably a lot less than well, anyone normally you know consumes. That's what makes this kind of challenging for a lot of people. Um... A well-planned dietary ketogenic diet, however, will have a protein limit of about 1 gram per pound, essentially 2 grams per kilogram body weight, or 1.5 grams per pound of body weight for individuals performing heavy exercises, or heavy exercise in general. Um, So this is kind of, to be honest, the protein side of things, I think you can just basically, most people are going to, most of the time, struggle to get this amount of protein in anyway so it's less of a concern i would have thought um additionally the diet does not restrict fat intake while decreasing appetite and caloric intake um resulting in the weight loss observed after initiation of the diet so it yeah the fat just helps kind of with satiation for the most part but effectively if you calculate your protein calories assuming you'll be eating as close to a gram per pound as possible then the rest by 150 gram, 150 calories because 50 grams equates to roughly 150 calories but 50 grams of carbs will be coming from fat so that's the way i kind of would go about it from what i read i would just 
find roughly a protein target that I want to meet and then from there essentially the rest of my food is going to be fat really the rest of my calories would be coming from fat so that's a kind of very brief overview so a bit more information to go with this on how it works um, so following carbohydrate deprivation and depletion of glycogen stores the body uh, the body undergoes metabolic changes to provide an energy source for the body through gluconeogenesis and ketoneogenesis uh, gluconeogenesis is the process that transforms non-carbohydrate substrates such as lactate amino acids and glycerol into glucose um, and it can be sustained for roughly three days with adherence to a low carbohydrate diet so something below 50 grams and then subsequently additional energy sources are necessary to meet the metabolic requirements of the body and the brain it's just you can't function otherwise your body's not going to kill itself because it hasn't got glycogen available um, uh, this is where the process of ketogenesis sorry, becomes indispensable and the, inf uh, and the formation of ketone bodies is then used as the primary energy source by cells with mitochondria and most importantly the brain so the brain obviously needs its um it needs its glucose so rather than just getting it from these raw glycogen stores you can now utilize those fat stores and this is kind of where it starts getting into people talk about a lot about fat as fuel and kind of don't always necessarily realize how important that is because often with people who are say insulin resistant um you've just lost that ability to some extent it's not saying that you you know it needs to become the prime well the only thing but in a in a period of time like this it becomes incredibly important so it's effects now i'm going to split these into various categories so again the description will give you those categories if you are looking for a very specific thing but let's start off with the fact that the ketogenic diet has been shown effectively to lead to weight loss um, and reduction in hyperinsulinemia uh, and that's basically in the name is just the amount of insulin in the blood is higher than normal so it reduces that back to a kind of normal level uh, and in an improvement in insulin sensitivity so you, you when insulin is released you store that blood glucose more effectively you don't need larger and larger and larger volumes of insulin to do so so let's start with the one that a lot of people probably are interested in which is the effects of the ketogenic diet on weight loss um, so various pieces of existing evidence suggest that the effectiveness of low carbohydrate ketogenic diets in weight loss and in loss of fat mass like they've shown that it is effective uh, a recent study showed that the high protein diet also effectively reduces the hepatic fat which is fatty liver there's a lot of talk about this fatty liver disease and so on um, it helps reduce that um, on the other hand, excessive intake of carbohydrate is harmful to uh, individuals with insulin resistance. Most people who are overweight or obese are insulin resistant. Therefore, it's kind of easy to go from that, that if a high intake of carbohydrates can be harmful for these and cause these uh, illnesses, then um, a ketogenic diet is going to have a high impact on 
diabetes and obesity simply because it's cutting out that that source um, there are several possible mechanisms for the role of the ketogenic diet in reducing body weight um, and they have been suggested in, in many forms um, each gram of glycogen is stored in three grams of water uh, and so therefore the initial weight loss could be due to glycogen depletion and water excretion and so that's kind of a, one of the things people may see instantly so i think it's important to know that you may see a drastic loss in weight and then a, and then like this kind of not plateau but a steadier trajectory downwards and it can be demoralizing to some extent because you get this massive high um, so it's important to know that this is going to happen and it's not that this is some wonder like diet it is that this is sort of semi part of the process um there's usually also a decrease in metabolic efficiency resulting in greater loss of energy in the form of heat and in the form of ketones in the urine sweat and feces um, ketones also have a, a diuretic and appetite suppression effect um, high fat content in the diet delays digestion providing a sense of fullness that people often refer to uh, in many cases so you've got kind of two things here you've got a suppression of appetite you've got a reduced kind of digestive rate um, and then more importantly the utilization of fat as the body fuel promotes fat loss and therefore weight loss and the better way of putting it is your body is reminded of its ability to utilize fat and how much it likely in some cases is in abundance on your body um, and it can run itself on this rather than constantly searching for glucose in the blood which obviously is what is happening to a lot of people they're just constantly pounding in more and more food to keep that blood glucose level high and the body brain happy um an example of a long-term study um, this study mentioned uh, monitored weight loss as well as changes in uh, visceral fat mass during a DEXA scan um, visceral fat around the organs and DEXA most people probably know but it measures body composition effectively and then the visceral fat is yeah like I've just said fat around the organs um, the study by Moreno et al compared um, a very low calorie ketogenic diet to a low calorie diet so one is ketogenic the other is simply low calorie usually uh, sorry yeah low calorie so the low calorie group is obviously uh, has freedom as to what they're eating to some extent um, participants in the active stage consumed six to eight hundred calories a day and 50 grams of carbohydrates per day until they were 80 percent of the target weight loss goal which was stage one um, urinary ketone strips were used during stage one to confirm uh, a state of ketosis so you know you've got a control measure there um, then they used a standard low calorie diet which was 10 percent below total uh, metabolic expenditure during stage two until they achieved another 20 percent weight loss followed by a long-term maintenance of weight loss in stage three uh, the com comparison control group used the low calorie diet throughout the study to achieve weight loss the weight loss in kilograms in the very low carbohydrate uh, diet was double that of the low calorie diet throughout most of the study and remained significant um, the amount of visceral fat loss in the very low carbohydrate diet 
while a very low carbohydrate ketogenic diet group was three times greater than the control group while pre- preserving lean body and skeletal bone mass. However, none of these side effects were severe enough to cause the participants to drop out in the study and most um, subsided within the first month. Uh, these are quite common in general, so don't be alarmed if you have any of um, these really. It, there's usually a list of kind of issues that obviously pop up like nausea, headache, fatigue, um, your it's obviously got its diuretic effect so you're going to be going to the toilet more um, and there can be very a few vitamin deficiencies which we'll get on to kind of the end I wanted to keep them all in one place um, but most of them some of them will subside uh, in time but effectively what you can see is that the the low carbohydrate versus the ketogenic diet you, likely the mechanism is the fact that you could still have quite an elevated uh, blood glucose level and make your body quite stubborn to releasing um, the fat mass. So you may both see uh, weight loss. That's the thing. That's why sometimes saying you want to lose weight is kind of not necessarily actually what you're trying to do. You're more trying to lose fat because you could lose weight in different ways. You could lose it through really your fat or you could lose it through water and you could also lose lean mass water counts as lean mass and you're not trying to lose muscle mass really you're trying to minimize muscle mass loss while maximizing fat loss and clearly this abundance of glucose in the blood is sort of inhibiting that kind of process um the the ability to control hunger is also a key component to weight loss success obviously uh, that's one of the biggest things it's really hard to try lose weight when you are constantly hungry um, so studies have shown that negative correlation between um, the ketogenic diet and this substance called bhb levels and the urge to eat and feeling of hunger during the phase of maximum ketosis um, it's, then this is supported by other large investigations in overweight and obese adults who also found that low carbohydrate diets were more effective in controlling hunger and low fat diets and I think that partially can be because you've got things like this uh, there's like a leucine effect effectively where you, there's there's kind of an amount of protein that you need to consume before uh, muscle protein synthesis really kicks off and so effectively, unless you're stimulating that, your body is kind of still not eating itself, but it's consuming this fat in a way that may trigger, sorry, this muscle in a way that may trigger more hunger. Um, and I feel like if you are restricting carbohydrates so heavily, and meat tends to have fat on it, if you're getting fattier cuts of meat, and therefore your protein intake is probably going to be higher on a ketogenic diet, then necessarily on a i mean you could have a low calorie diet and have it planned very well and still can like eat the correct amount but i think just the sheer volume of fat and protein is gonna be the thing satiating people and allowing them to adhere to the diet much better than necessarily the low uh, carbohydrate uh, sorry just the low calorie diet on its own um so it's a common trend for the levels of ketosis to relate to positive differences in food cravings, alcohol cravings, physical activity, sleep patterns and sexual activity. Uh, this 
outcome is backed by the uh, the thought that postprandial glycemic dips are best predictor of appetite and energy intake following a meal and large glycemic dips are usually associated with high carbohydrate consumption um, so obviously you take if you <clears throat> the way for your blood glucose to to, to peak well simply high carbohydrate meals are thought to have the greater impact on brain reward um, and homeostatic activity in ways that impede weight loss and maintenance um, interestingly the increased brain activity feedings uh, findings were uh, partially associated with higher insulin levels too um, generally the ability of the ketogenic diet to reduce hunger uh, lower glycemic fluctuations and con- um, and concentrate influence of on areas of the brain associated with addiction are all positive signs that the ketogenic diet should be considered as a treatment option but just uh, just overweight in general or obese people um, and just for weight loss because that's the thing if you take the kind of one mechanism that is firing up that blood glucose level and we've all kind of felt it before you have this massive carbohydrate dense meal you feel really full and then quite shortly after when maybe an hour or two when this huge crash happens it's i feel like as indiv- as people we kind of live our lives based on maybe not a rate of change but differences so like comparing now to then and how much money I had then and how much money I have now and we tend to feel those differences so on a ketogenic diet that your blood glucose isn't going to spike anywhere near as high and so when you go from a state of feeling satiated to say a couple of hours later when you haven't eaten the difference between when you had just eaten and were full to now where you're just resting isn't as big as when you have this massive carbohydrate meal and you have this huge high um, and then you have this huge lull even if you come back down to baseline it's just your that difference is what you're really I think feeling and why it is so hard to stick to a diet that still involves a large amount of carbohydrates and it's partially what I do I don't go all the way to a ketogenic diet but the thing I usually cut when I'm going, like when I'm just trying to lose a bit of weight for whatever reason, is carbohydrates purely because it just makes adhering to it so much easier. It's an easy thing to measure um, and it mainly bulks out the meal, but when it's taken away, I think because then that glycemic rush is even lower, it makes it really easy in comparison to stick um to the diet for me personally is my honest opinion but yeah right let's move on to its effects other just say other effects in general but the effects on diabetes okay so for the most part i've already really spoken about kind of its effects on diabetes um but many of the diabetic complications have been linked to elevated levels of glucose over long periods of time so just chronic Uh, raised levels of glucose which is measured as hemoglobin a1c uh, hba1c which is a way of measuring your average blood sugar levels over the past two to three weeks and it's kind of like the gold standard 
Um, type 2 diabetes is caused by hyperinsulinemia and insulin levels are directly affected by carbohydrate consumption. So you can see where something like the ketogenic diet would have an effect because if um, if it's if a disease is caused by um, chronically elevated, uh, abnormally high levels of insulin in the blood and then you have a substance that is the key driver of that if you then eliminate it from your diet then it's kind of clear that this is going to have positive outcomes um, protein intake can cause slight increases in blood glucose and subsequently insulin secretion but fat consumption has no major effect on either um, if hyperinsulinemia is directly affected by nutrient intake, then it's clear way is argued that these blood markers could be controlled by continuous control of food choices. So I think maybe if you are, say, someone who's severely kind of obese in a way, then you could go to something that is strict in limiting protein as well. But I still think I'd kind of shy away from it a bit. And then definitely if you're someone who's just going onto the diet, isn't really that overweight, has a good amount of muscle mass, then keeping that protein intake high while you're on the ketogenic diet would be key to maintaining that muscle mass. You've got the effect on lipidology, so just kind of your fat profiles, your lipid profiles. Um, the main concern regarding the use of the ketogenic diet with a high protein and fat content is that this diet will cause adverse effects on altering their, your lipid profile drastically. That's the main concern. On the other hand, several recent studies have demonstrated that low-carbohydrate diets um, produce significant benefits on the lipid profile in the end. Following the administration of the ketogenic diet, there was a reduction in total cholesterol's increase in HDL and a decrease in levels of blood triglycerides. Um, saturated fatty acids are, um, that are involved in increased risk of cardiovascular disease and insulin resistance are found to be more associated with dietary carbohydrate rather than dietary fat and protein. So again, now people may take away from this that it's like you can never eat carbohydrates again. This is not really the purpose of this. It's just to highlight the possible pros and cons of the ketogenic diet and if nothing else also just highlight that maybe moderation or adequate feeding of carbohydrates relative to exercise and activity and mass and everything should be considered a lot so i mentioned alzheimer's disease earlier um, so it's important to sort of talk about the effects of the ketogenic diet on the brain um the effects of the diet on the brain appears to be well supported and is due to specifically due uh, and is thought to be specifically due to production of BHB. They found that BHB is more than the fuel for the molecule and the molecule and it plays an important role in cell signaling. As a result of the positive impacts of BHB, uh, one study found that BHB uh, precursor molecules improved cognition and disease progression. Uh, in Alzheimer mouse models and showed improvement in, in, in an actual case study of a patient with Alzheimer's disease. Um, the presence of, so I should probably say what BHB is, is B-hydroxyburate, which so on protect, protects neurons 
from oxidative damage by the increase in the antioxidant agent known as reduced glutathione, glutathione, something or other. But effectively, it just protects the brain. Uh, BHB also inhibits NFKB, which is known to regulate the expression of multiple pleuroinflammatory genes. So from this, it can be said that the endogenous effects of BHB produced by the ketogenic diet might enhance health and increase overall longevity. And it's just, it's a, it's a might. There is some research towards it and it's what the takeaway from this effectively is, is that it upregulates various protective factors um, and just protects the brain in general from just damage over time, really. Okay, so the first kind of bit that people interested in sport and athletes in general um, is this bit the effect on oxidative stress uh, so the benefits of the ketogenic diet might also go beyond treating existing diseases and instead help prevent chronic and degenerative diseases um, there are arguments to say that the state of nutritional ketosis would positively affect mitochondrial function and enhance resistance to oxidative stress and noted that the ketones directly upregulate proteins that influence antioxidant defenses. Um, you may have heard of uh, oxidative stress um, thrown around as a positive for exercise and wonder why it's a negative when talking about diet. Um, well, the difference is that diet will cause the chronic cause this chronically, where as an exercise regime will cause this as an acute um, factor. Um, the meaning it's just one is just pounding away at your mitochondria the things that are effectively uh, doing the fueling as such slash creating uh, utilizing the oxygen and the fuel to create the ATP at the the muscle so your the, these are critical functional pieces of your biology um, and by abusing them um, chronically get damaged whereas it's acute it's a bit like going to the gym um gym going to the gym is a kind of an acute stimulus slash damage to the muscle rather than chronically wearing away at it so the ketogenic diet's mechanism of action might be due to increased levels of adenosine which blocks dna uh, methylation and thus exerts an epigenetic change, simply meaning that the increase in adenosine in the body could be causing the expression of certain genes in the body to exert the changes seen. So this kind of flows in nicely somewhat to the effects on cancer, a disease that affects a lot of people nowadays and can be linked, I suppose, to one, the fact that we live quite long lives in some cases and two can be dietary and environmental and yeah there are a lot of unideal things in how we live and where we live nowadays so the potential of the ketogenic diet to aid in cancer treatment um, is still up for debate however the pos positive results seen in mice warrant that this metabolic therapy um should be evaluated more really um from studies presented it appears that um sorry i'm this next bit here i'm going to read from there was a meta-analysis and effectively they said from the studies presented the ones that they presented in the meta-analysis 
They said that it appears that the mice and humans, the diet seemed to be most beneficial when used as an adjuvant with other therapies and when administered as soon as possible. So basically, um, they believe that um, it should be something that should be used alongside it. And the, the concept is, I think, cancers are heavily anaerobic and love glucose effectively and so one way of helping suppress them uh, is they think this the ketogenic diet may have positive impacts on the pathogenesis of ca- the pathogenesis of cancer although uh, the determination of it is used as a um, monotherapy or adjuvant therapy in humans needs further study so they just basically came to the conclusion that it needs more study right now it's not a primary source or method of um, tackling cancer but more that it presents an additional mechanism to support the already uh, say chemotherapy or other methods used to fight off the cancer Okay, and then, so this is kind of my largest interest on the diet. I think the weight loss side of things doesn't necessarily, just because of my current composition, it doesn't interest me as such. I don't feel like it's necessary for me to maintain slash get to a leaner state. Um, uh, But sport-wise, it has always interested me. so studies of the ketogenic diet and endurance performance are somewhat sparse and heterogeneous in terms of athlete caliber, duration of adaption and types of exercise protocol. So effectively they're just very homogenous to some uh, extent. Um, overall they suggest that the performance of a moderate intensity exercise so somewhere up to about 70% of VO2 max. If you want to know more about VO2 max, I do have an episode already on it. Um, But essentially just your maximum oxygen uptake uh, for a given time period and a given mass. But um, it's effectively saying that um, moderate intensity exercise may be prevented following ketogenic adaption. Uh, sorry, not prevented, may be preserved. Um, but individual results may be extreme in both directions and include an inability to tolerate or comply with the, the dietary restrictions. Uh, importantly, uh, there, are no, there is no evidence uh, of a consistent performance enhancement even at such intensities. Um, so effectively, you might break even that kind of lower intensity Um, performance impairment of high intensity exercise so somewhere some saying as early as 70% some saying as late as 90% of vo2 max um, is likely and potentially uh, attributable to uh, reduced exercise economy higher oxygen cost effectively Um, that prevents the athlete from sustaining workloads at high portions of their maximal aerobic capacity. Um, And I think it's kind of obvious to some extent. I think 90% is probably pushing it pretty high. Maybe if you're extremely well-trained 
and your your capability to utilize fat as the primary source um, to fuel yourself needs to be pretty high to be able to perform at 90% of VO2 max but even then I think you just need glycogen really to to well, blood like high glucose levels in the blood to really tackle that so I think 70% maybe 80% is probably your safe bet um so these findings support earlier like kind of suggestions that um the low carbohydrate uh, ketogenic diet may be unsuited to events in which high intensity exercise is critical for success for success but may um, have utility in specific scenarios such as moderate intensity exercise that can be supported by fat oxidation um, especially in the presence of an inability or unwillingness to use strategies to maintain high carbohydrate availability basically ultra endurance athletes may utilize this as they have no interest in large sudden bursts of energy so people do you know bike packing trips around the world kind of like 40 50 hour stints really like really really big days where you're not necessarily re- you are you are in a race but the race there is there's no point where it is determined by your ability to put out an output for even an hour really maybe you might have some ridiculously close event but for the most part it's determined by how long can you sit on a bike or run before needing a rest and how long do you need to rest for and how efficient you are during these periods so um so in contemplating effectively the potential use of a ketogenic diet in terms of sport performance outcomes um, endurance athletes really should do an audit on their event or personal experiences uh, to identify the relative importance of their capacity for high intensity aerobic exercise uh, versus the risk of depletion of carbohydrate stores Um, there's many that suggest including taking an audit of the average of critical power production required in an event for the individual athlete and whether fat oxidation can support this that's quite complex i think really if you're really serious you could do that but for the most part i think previous experience if you're doing a race that's an hour long uh, i'd consume carbohydrates basically if you're going on a big bikepacking adventure then i'd just eat whatever you can so I wouldn't even say it's necessary to then stick to the ketogenic diet. You just eat what you can. Um, there was an analysis done on Ironman triathletes. Oh, this I thought was quite interesting. Um, that noted that elite athletes work at higher absolute rates of energy expenditure and a higher proportion of their individual energy expenditure ceiling than their slower counterparts. Um, modeling of the characteristics of the top finishes, for example, uh, for in in um speeds power outputs and exercise economy of running cycling and swimming uh, this suggests that enhanced fat oxidation typically of keto adaptions would fail to support requirements of an eight hour finish times and now you know obviously we're below eight hours so clearly clearly not but might be sufficient for energy needs of slower competitors with times of 12 hours now i personally just think if you are already 
carrying out a Iron Man, why put yourself through dealing with it in a ketogenic state, personally? Maybe you have something to prove or you're doing it for a charity or trying to promote some kind of cause. But if your sole aim, like aim is to achieve a time, then effectively this is just saying what I personally live by at the moment. Just don't do it. There are some evidence to say that maybe a lot of these studies are like 10 to 15 weeks. Some of them are 30 days of adaption. Yes, it's not loads of time, but, you know, if you're, say, 20, even if you're 22 and you just want to get a lot of training in for your physiologic peak at, like, 25 or whatever, taking two years to experiment with a diet that may end up not benefiting you is a big commitment. So I think it's going to be a while till we see a clearer picture as to whether it can, in the long run, support high-intensity work. So now, last but not least, a list of the drawbacks. Um, So, uh, negative events of the ketogenic diet include dehydration, uh, dyselectrolytemia, which is just like electrolyte imbalance, hypervitaminosis, which is a vitamin deficiency, Um, in addition, short-term the ketogenic diet uh, impairs bone mass density and mechanical properties of bone therefore to minimize the above mentioned side effects daily supplementation of electrolytes multivitamins potassium uh, potassium citrate and calcium vitamin d and minerals should be given during the period of a ketogenic diet you well i say given you should be taking them effectively so I also have an episode on uh, the kind of vitamin supplementation, which ones do what. By the sounds of things, to be fair, for if you're doing this diet, you may end up being so heavily deficient in some of these that it's important to supplement. But I suppose it would be good to do further investigation into or even talk to people who've done it, what their blood work came back as. And that's another thing you can do. Blood work, I think, with the ketogen diet is quite important. Although expensive, and maybe if you're only doing this for three months at a time, then maybe not necessary, but still a good idea to get some kind of insight into the effects it's having on your body. So another side effect of the ketogenic diet is the formation of kidney stones and the increased production of the uh, and the decreased excretion of uric acid. This is due to the limited fluid intake and the suppression of thirst by ketone bodies and hunger. It should be noted that the studies uh, from a from a laboratory have observed a decrease in serum level of urea. Um, to rectify this issue, inclusion of five percent carbohydrate compensate. Uh, composition in the diet is recommended so effectively they're just saying that you should just consume more carbohydrates um five percent but yeah (laughs) it's not great the whole i've heard the kidney stone thing a few times and mainly i think because of the the lower fluid intake and lower ability to kind of hold on to it and the electrolytes as such um yeah you need to find a way to effectively keep fluid retention um, another concern regarding the ketogenic diet is that the uh, subjects who are on this diet have a reduction 
in the intake of healthy foods such as fruit and vegetables uh, that contain poly, polyphenols and antioxidants that fight against free radicals. Uh, type 2 diabetes is associated with the oxidative stress and limiting the supply of polyphenols uh, and antioxidants may increase the imbalance of antioxidant oxidation system in our body. Um, in order to overcome this situation, it is suggested that supplement the ketogenic diet with extracts of polyphenols and antioxidants, especially in patients with type 2 diabetes. So, effectively, it's the kind of diet where I think you should cycle on and off. Maybe doing this permanently isn't great. So, maybe just do three months, or maybe the first time you do six because you've got into it and then it turns into a kind of cycling diet but i think that's the thing there are quite a few things that I possibly get deficient in like i think any diet like the vegan diet which again covered in the past um yeah getting a fairly rigorous supplement kind of regime an idea of what you're going to become deficient in is kind of key if you're going to take this on for a pretty prolonged period uh and then finally, constipation has also a noted, is been noted in the past as a side effect of the ketogenic diet, which could be due to the decreased fiber content and dehydration due to the suppression of thirst by ketones. Uh, this situation can be prevented by increasing the fiber content in the diet, increasing fluid intake and using laxatives. I'd avoid the obviously laxatives, so maybe things like prune juice, I suppose. I know it's got sugars in it, but... It's a lot of counting. It, I think you have to do your due diligence with this diet. You have to already restrict carbohydrates and such. And I think it is. it can be quite the hard diet to follow. But the list of benefits, as I've already gone over, are extensive. So I think it's something worth giving a go. Especially if you are, your BMI is like say 30 plus. I think it's something that could be quite critical. But if you're an athlete... Sounds like it's not. So again, as always, if you've made it this far into the episode, thank you uh, for listening to today's episode. If you want more content like this, there are plenty of other previous episodes to check out. But before you do, why not follow the podcast and leave a rating wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, if you want to suggest a topic for future episodes or want to get in contact in general, then email me at the vo 2 lounge at gmail.com. And with that, I'll see you in the next one.